November 15, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And Chet, there's a lot going on in Philly sports at this time of the year, but most important, it, it's Dallas week for the NFC East leading Eagles. Yeah, I love these Eagles-Cowboys weeks, Bill, especially when the Eagles are very good, as is the case this year. And Dallas is somewhat desperate, so Sunday night can't get here soon enough. Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to cover tonight. We've got a couple great guests to do it. In the first segment of the show, we'll have the Philadelphia Daily News, Mike Kern. In the middle, we'll have Fred Hugo with all his fantasy football tips. And on the back third, we'll have WMMR's Nick McElwain joining us. We're loaded up, so let's get started. Welcome, Mike Kern, back to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Welcome back, Mike. How you guys doing? Doing all right. Fantastic. Hey, Mike, there is lots, lots to cover, as Bill said, but we've got to start with the birds. Other than the 1980 NFC Championship game, do you have any special or favorite Eagles-Cowboys memories? Uh, I mean, there's lots of them. Uh, but I don't get the sense this week – that maybe because the Eagles had the bye last week or maybe because Dallas is like three games behind in the standings or whatever they're behind, I don't get the sense that this is, and maybe because Zeke's not playing, that this is like, you know, it's not the fervor that I've seen at other times in this rivalry. Um, you know, it just is. I mean, you know, people forget. I always hear people say, well, you know, Chip Kelly, you know, those, those teams never did anything. In Chip Kelly's second year, they went to Dallas on Thanksgiving and beat the Cowboys to go to 93. Yeah. They were the number one seed in the NFC at that point, and a lot of people had them going to the Super Bowl. And, and then they lost to Seattle the following week. They lost to Dallas at home after that, and they lost their – but, you know, people – you know, that game, that Thanksgiving, I guess it would be, what, three seasons ago, um, if, I'm, yeah. if I got it right. That was awesome, and the game back in Philly was a great matchup, except the Eagles lost it. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been so many Dallas moments because we hate Dallas. I don't think the people in Dallas feel the same way about the rivalry we do. You know, that's that's just my thinking. I don't think they sit down there saying it's Eagles week. I think this week is, is Eagles week because they got to beat the Eagles or they're, or they're done in the division. They can't win the division. So I think that's what makes it. But I don't think people in Dallas get as revved up about playing the Eagles as Eagle fans get revved up about playing the Cowboys. Yep. Hey, Mike, it seems like the uh, as a follow-up to that, it almost seems like Eagle fans are a little bit maybe cautiously optimistic while the Cowboys fans are, are kind of cautiously getting close to elimination. Almost like uh, nobody wants to say too awful much. Well, I mean, look, the Eagles are in a really good position. They they can't – if the Eagles didn't win the division now, something's wrong. I mean, they're going to lose games. They're not going to go 15-1, and one, but 
you know, even if Zeke were playing, I, I think the Eagles, you know, you're three games up with seven to go. That's pretty good. That means the Cowboys have to beat them twice to have any kind of a chance, you would figure, unless the Eagles just, you know, go like two and five the rest of the way, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Eagles now, especially if they win Sunday, if they don't win Sunday, may, maybe not, but if they win Sunday, the only thing they're thinking about from that point on is home field advantage because the division would be over. So, you know, I, I haven't looked at the line, but I'm guessing it's pretty close to a pick em game. You know, one team's probably favored by a couple points. But, you know, it, it, the, I think right now the Eagles are probably – not probably, they're the better team, but the Cowboys are playing at home and they, and they know they have to win. I mean, they know their season's on the line because if they lose this game, they could be in trouble even with the wild card. Uh, the way some of these other teams in the league are playing – Right now, it seems like there's an awful lot of teams with two and three losses, so which means the Eagles aren't out of the woods for getting home field. So, you know, all those things play into it. But I'm of the belief, you know, you just you, it's one week. You can't think about Seattle or the Rams or whatever's down the road. You just have to think, let's beat the Cowboys, and you're coming off your bye. So, you know, you should be pretty well rested. I think the Cowboys played what Sunday night. Or Monday, when when was the Atlanta game? I'm trying to remember. No, Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Um, Four o'clock. But the Eagles should should have the advantage of being rested, you know, if nothing else. You mentioned there were a bunch of teams with two or three losses. Uh, Let me ask you about that. The Saints, Vikings, Rams, all seven and two. The Panthers, Seahawks, and Falcons still very much alive. Which teams are the biggest threats to the Eagles in the postseason, do you think? Uh, I would have maybe said Seattle. Although the Richard Sherman injury doesn't help them because Seattle's been there. You know, Seattle's won a Super Bowl and been to another. You probably have to say the same thing about the Panthers, although the Panthers until their last game, I was starting not to be impressed with them. Um, but, but there's two teams that have been to Super Bowls and one of them won a Super Bowl. The Rams are kind of like the Eagles. They, they're playing really well, but they haven't been there. So you don't know how they're going to react in a playoff. I don't know how the Eagles are going to react in a playoff situation because very few of their guys have played in playoffs. Um, the Saints are the team that, that I think is starting to scare me the most. The Vikings, I'm not sure what to make of the Vikings. Yeah, because I don't know if Keith Keenum, but now, now they're talking about going to Bridgewater, which I find absurd. But yeah. um, the Saints the Saints are a team that would worry me. And I know they came up here, and it's not the, the Saints we've come to kind of know, the Saints came up here and won that game, what, four or five years ago, or the Chips' first year, I guess. But you don't want to play them, I don't think, in the Superdome, and especially with Drew Brees, a quarterback. Because, once yep. again, you have a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl. You know, I, to me, I want to play the team with the worst quarterback. And I, I don't – right now, I mean, the way Keenum's – I mean, they're all, they're, Goff's playing good. They're all, they're all playing well. Uh, the guy in Seattle can certainly play a little bit, so – you know, if you get the home field advantage, then it has to go through your house. That doesn't guarantee you anything, as we've found out in this town many times. But, you know, I'll take my chances with them playing in South Philly as opposed to going somewhere else. Absolutely. Well, hey, Mike, you're uh, still you're a big college hoops guy, um, and you're still covering that. What, what can we look forward to with the Big Five this year, or, or City Six, or whatever you want to call it? I'm old school. I say Big Five. Uh, Villanova ranked in the top five. Are, are they that good? And what can we look for overall? Villanova has won the last its last eighteen Big Five games. I think all but one by double digits. 
So they are so far ahead of the rest. Now, they have to go to Temple this year. They have to go to St. Joe. I think they could be games, but it's basically a one-horse town. I mean, I think Temple has a, a, a chance maybe to make a run in an NCAA tournament bid. If St. Joe's is healthy, I think St. Joe's could make a run in the tournament bid. But Villanova is going to – they're going to win, you know, high 20s, whatever they're going to win. Uh, I don't know if they're going to lose four games, five games, six games, you know, before the tournament starts. But they're going to be really good again if nobody gets hurt and, you know, they, 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 they're they not faced with that. Then the question becomes how far do you go in March? And, you know, I don't have an answer to that. I mean, I'm watching last night, you know, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, uh, Michigan State, and you're looking at those teams and, you know, you're saying, well, can Villanova play with those teams? Because that, that's who eventually you're going to have to play with. But they're really good. I mean, they've got six really good players. They've got six stars. They, they've got to develop a little bit of depth with their free, three freshmen. But, you know, they're pretty good. They're, they're going to win a lot of games. And, and there's going to be some times when they might struggle because their center's a freshman and he didn't play last year. Um, you know, but I, I like their team. I, I think, and I think Jay likes the team, which is probably more important than me liking it. <laughs> hey, Mike, speaking of hoops, what's your take on the Sixers? Are they playing about as expected, better than expected, or what? And what is the outlook for Brett Brown's team? I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> tell me if Markel Fultz is going to play before whenever. I, I, I mean, look, Ben Embiid, he's going to be, if, if he's healthy, he's going to be a special player. But now you're hearing about his knees hurt. You know, so that's not a good thing with a guy who's missed three and a half years of his career or whatever. I think Ben look good Monday night. What, that's fine. But you got to look yeah. good like five or six or seven games in a row where you're playing. You know, when you get to the playoffs, yep. okay, you, you're not playing one game and then sitting out a game and then playing limited minutes another game. That's not how it works if you want to be a good team. And, and look, I'm not saying they're not winning a championship this year. They, you know, this is about two or three or four years down the road. Uh, if he, but Ben Simmons is exactly what we thought he would be. He's a, he's a transcendent player who, who isn't really good shooting. He's never going to be a good shooter, um, but that's who he is. Um, and they've got some other good players. But it's a long – they've played, what, 15 games this year, whatever they've played. It takes time. Nobody gets that. You know, they all say, well, we got Embiid, we got this guy. We're good. Well, no, you're not. It takes time to become a team. It may take them years to become a meshed team. Uh, they're still feeling each They're still learning how to play with each other, for crying out loud. And that, but that's okay because they're not a bad team anymore. They're, they're a good team. You know, they could be a 500 team. They could be a playoff team. Uh, and that's all good. That's steps. But the process, I hate it's much easier to go from <laughs> 10 wins to 40 than it is to go from 40 to 60. Yeah, it's I hear much you. easier. Absolutely. Yeah. And the 40 to 60 part is the only part I care about. Absolutely. Well, hey, Mike, uh, I was going to follow that with um, last year the Sixers seemed to be, let's call it more balanced, where they had maybe six guys with 10, 12, their 14 points a game. This year, at least in the early stages, Simmons and Embiid are doing a whole ton of scoring. Everybody else is falling back a little bit, maybe doing a little more watching. Uh, is that good in the long haul? What would you rather have? Would you rather have two studs averaging 20 or, and, and maybe you get Covington or Sarich or, you know, when Fultz comes back, if he comes back, if he's good. I mean, I, I, 
I mean, you, you can't have it both ways. People complaining last year because they had no Embiid and no uh, Simmons. So now that you got them, you, you, you're not going to have a team with those two guys where six guys average 15 a game. Don't work that way. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Embiid is going to have to be your, your leading scorer, most likely. Simmons there with him. I don't know what Fultz is going to give because I haven't seen him play. I have no idea what Fultz is going to give you. Um, Covington, I think, has been pretty good. He's, he's been a decent player, and, and Reddick's going to help you on nights. Um, you have to have the, the, the complementary players, but if this franchise is going to go where Philadelphians hope it's going to go, it's not going to be because of Covington. Yeah, it's going to be because of your best players. But you need both to be a good team. Hey, Mike, I know you've got to run in a couple of minutes. I just wanted to mention you and our buddy Kevin Cooney last month began doing a weekly podcast. I sampled a few of them, and uh, it's good stuff. You enjoying doing that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like Kevin. We, we, we're a good yin and yang kind of thing, and I've got to talk him off the ledge sometimes, you know, because, you know, he'll, he'll come in and, and have all the college football playoffs figured out in the Heisman Trophy. I say, Kevin, there's still five weeks left in the season. You know, and the next week Barkley runs for two yards, and, you know, he, Comes in, you know, but that, but Kevin and I, we, we, we've had a lot of good conversations through the years, and that's all we're trying to do on that. And I hope people listen, and, and maybe we can do it for a while. Who knows? Although, and, shame and on how you, can uh, they listen, Mike. Mike? Well, What's Mike, that? you took a week off after three shows. You took a week off. You needed a break already? Come on. I was in Florida. <laughs> it happened. I got you. I love Kevin, but I was in Florida. Uh, hey Mike, you. where can where can the listeners listen to your uh, to your new podcast? God, you know, I, I, um, it's Wildfire Sports. So if you, I guess I'm not I'm illiterate when it comes to that kind of stuff. But <laughs> for Wildfire Sports, so if you, I'm sure if you Google that or go to them, punch Wildfire Com in there, well, you you will find it. And if not, get a hold yep. of Kevin Cooney because he'll tell you how to get it. Exactly. <laughs> he's smart. He's, smart. he's right. smarter than me. Oh, no, I hear you. Hey, Mike, we appreciate you stopping by. We know you're on a tight schedule, so uh, thanks again, and we'll do it again. Okay, man. Take care. All right. See ya. All right. Hey, let's talk about the Irish Rover while we have a minute here, okay? Uh, the Irish Rover, we are so happy to have those guys on with us every week, and we get to tell you about what's happening there. The Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, it's a family-friendly bar and restaurant with an expansive food menu, spacious dining area, and always 24 beers on tap. Have dinner or just go in for a few brews with your friends. Check out the band All Jacked Up this Saturday night. There's a bunch of big-screen TVs to watch the Flyers and Sixers, and Sunday there is an all-day tailgate menu with lots of great $4 items ahead of that Eagles-Cowboys battle you may have heard something about. I love this place, and you will too. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Bill? Hey, Chet. Uh, I, I had a question. We got Fred coming on here in just a few minutes, but I had something that I just wanted to randomly throw at you. We're going to throw some other things at you later on, but... Uh, I've been thinking about the Phillies, and I just got a text from one of my buddies, uh, Bill Clark, who down here in Florida, who is a big uh, Red Sox fan. But uh, what I was going to ask you is the Phils are loaded up with money, as we know. Why, I mean, why not talk baseball in November, right? GM meetings yep. are underway. 
They have a ton of money. They've got a good upcoming bunch of young players that look like they need some leadership. Giancarlo Stanton is on the market. 27 years old, coming off a 59 home run, 132 RBI season, but owed a ton of money as part of that long-term deal. Are you interested in trading for that guy? Could we build around him? He would own Citizens Bank Park. And my buddy Bill Clark just sent me a message that said that it looks like Stanton is favoring the Dodgers, but his advisors are pushing for the Red Sox. you got to hate that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's very tempting to consider, you know, adding him due to the thought of the numbers he could put up playing in CBP. But his history with injuries and that huge long-term contract just scares me off. I mean, look how much we regretted giving Ryan Howard the big long-term deal, the Angels with Pujols. So while it's tempting, I would say no thanks. Looks like it's not going to happen anyway, but no, I wouldn't do it. Mm, boy, I tell you what, sure make me pause a little bit. 27 years old, if you got five or six years out of him, you could be talking uh, 250 home runs at Citizens Bank Park in that, that amount of time, Two, 225, yeah. 250. That's a lot of home runs at the bank. It could be fun, I know, but it's not going to happen anyway, so let's not get our hopes up even if you wanted it to. Well, maybe. You never know. You never know. All right. Well, let's uh, – we, we have Fred. Is he with us? Well, let's see if the music plays. Let's see if that works. But we must have there Fred. There it is. He must be with us. It's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome. What's up, guys? It's it's Dallas week. You yeah, know we're it. pumped, man. Hey, Fred, I have to ask you a question before we get into all the fantasy football stuff. Now, you told Chet and I the week before you were getting married that you were going to the Eagles game that weekend, and then about a day later – those tickets went up for sale. Then the next yes. week, those tickets went up for sale. Then you showed up at a game. Now you're selling the whole season. What in the world happened to you overnight? What do you, what do you mean? Well, I went, I went to the Denver game. So, I mean, that, I, I'm not one. sure. But, I, no, no. It was re- – the, the San Francisco game, I I didn't even I, – I think I even – I lost money on them. I had to sell them for, for 50. But um, – I'm, the the thing is with me and my brothers, we split them between us. So the goal here now is well, our expectations are NFC Championship here. So we sold enough to to break even, and we only have two tickets. So we're we're banking our money here so that we have enough money to get three tickets to watch an NFC Championship game as the Eagles go to the Super Bowl in Minnesota. That that's what we're trying okay. to accomplish here. Oh, okay, right. so this has nothing to do with Miss Christie coming into the fold. <laughs> nah, nah, she's all in. You saw the Eagles chance at the Denver game, the, the Fly Eagles Fly. I was videoed Facebook Live on Fred and Butter, on the Fred and Butter page. Yep. Check it out. Yep. Okay. All right. Just just checking. Just seeing if, um, you know, it took one day and it was all over with. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, my man. I'm just giving you the business. Hey, tell us what's going on in fantasy football. A lot of position changes, a lot of things happening. Yeah, a lot of waiver wire things. You know, Ezekiel Elliott's definitely out now. He didn't even um, what's he repealed his suspension, withdrew his suspension. Uh, um, you got injuries in Green Bay. You know, a lot, a lot of waiver wire picks going out there that you that you're looking for. But uh, as far as my picks for this week, um, I'm going to go ahead at the quarterback position. I'm going to start Drew Brees versus the Redskins. 
He's been pretty much a game manager this season with the Saints running game, but I think this week um, he'll throw the ball a little more against a Redskins defense that gives up like 22 a game to the fantasy quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and sit Andy Dalton at the uh, Denver Broncos. He ha- he's been hit or miss week to week. He looks like he showed promise last week, but Denver's on, a, I think, a five-game losing streak. I think they uh, they get a win this week and, and pretty much shut down the Bengals. So I'd sit Dalton at the running back spot. I'm going to start Melvin Gordon versus Buffalo. Uh, a lot of people are concerned that his uh, backup running back, uh, Eckler, I can't really pronounce it, um, has had a lot of yards last week and maybe to start him or look to put Melvin on the bench, I, I say no, start Melvin against the Bills. At sitting the running back, I would sit Alfred Morris, sit Darren McFadden, sit Rod Smith, sit whatever running back the Dallas Cowboys want to throw out against the Eagles because the, with the way that offensive line is right now, what was once great is in shambles. So whoever you picked up in place of Ezekiel Elliott, keep him on the bench. At a wide receiver, I'm going to start Sterling Shepard versus the Chiefs. He's now the number one in New York. Going to sit Kelvin Benjamin versus the Chargers with Nate Peterman, now a quarterback. At tight end, I'm going to start Jason Witten against the Eagles. He always seems to put up numbers against the Eagles, so that's a good matchup mm-hmm. for him. Yep. I am going to sit Julius Thomas, who had a touchdown back-to-back weeks for Miami versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're ranked fourth against the tight end position. So um, sit Julius Thomas. Don't buy into that. Defensively, I'm going to start the Chargers defense against Nate Peterman and the Bills. Always like to see a rookie matchup against a defense, and, and the Chargers aren't, aren't too bad either on defense as well. They'll get some pressure on the quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and sit. Um, oh, I just drew a blank there. Who, who am I sitting on defense? Oh, I'm going to sit the uh, the Cowboys defense against the Eagles. I expect uh, the Eagles to put up some points, and, and I just wouldn't even play their defense. Um, as far as kickers go, I'm going to start Brandon McManus of the Broncos, um, and then I will go ahead and sit Ryan Suckup against the uh, Steelers, who he's a top – he's a number two kicker in fantasy, but I have a feeling on Monday night on the road against – or Thursday night on the road, tomorrow night against the Steelers, um, he's going to miss a field goal or two. So that's my start one. Sit one. I'll have more detailed explanations every Sunday morning. I post them up on fredandbutter.com and on the webpage. So check them out there as well. Thanks, Fred. All right. Well, hey, Fred, before we get to uh, our picks for the week, how did we do last week, Chad? I know I know you were gloating via text because you actually picked up a game on me. Hey, every game helps. Eagles were on the bye last weekend, of course, but the other three NFC East teams played, and all of them lost. The birds say thank you. But here's the interesting part. Fred and I both went 2-1, and one, and, yes, you, Bill, went 1-2. and two. So that does tighten things up just a bit. It's still Bill in first place at 22-9. and nine. Fred is now just two back at 20-11, and 11, and I'm three off the pace at 19-12, and 12, making my move. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Uh, all right, Fred, now that we had to listen to that whole story, let's get going with this week's picks. You ready? <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. Washington at the red hot New Orleans Saints. Saints minus seven and a half. Who you like? Uh, I like the Saints in this one. I don't really see the Redskins. They may score some points possibly, but um, the Saints look great. They're my. They're actually my number one threat in the NFC to the Eagles. I'm going to take the um, the Saints by at least ten. 
Guys, do we really need to talk about any of these NFC East games this week one by one? Come on. Saints are red hot. They're home. Make it eight in a row. New Orleans. The other two games, easy as well. But, okay, go ahead. We'll do them one at a time. Go ahead, Bill. Who do you like? Well, they are easy. This is a pretty easy week for even you, Chad. I got a chance to think you could go 3-0 in this week. Oh, man. But we'll go through it anyway. I'm going, obviously, I'm going Saints as well. Kansas City Chiefs come to New York to play the hapless Giants. Boy, they are horrible. Chiefs minus <laughs> ten, Fred. Um, they're coming. The Andy Reid off a bye, that, and then the Giants are just not not great at all. So I don't even see if you pick the Giants, you're just taking a chance. Uh, you have to go uh, Chiefs there, and probably by double digits as well. I'll be shocked if I ever pick the Giants again this season. Chiefs, baby, easy one. You know, I always say that at some point with with NFL teams, because all these teams are so talented, that you play for pride and a team can come back and knock off somebody after a bad game. That is not the New York football Giants. They stink. They've stunk every week, and they still stink. Chiefs minus 10, easy pick. Okay, last, the Eagles go to Dallas for Sunday night football. Eagles minus three and a half, Fred. There they go with these spreads that make it make it shady. You know, these last couple night games have been blowouts and small spreads. So I, I, I was as you guys are talking, I looked it up here on this this little betting website I have, and eighty six percent of the public's taking the Eagles against the spread, and ninety one percent on the money line too, which makes me a little scared. But there's, there's absolutely no way I'm picking against the Eagles in this game. Um, the Dallas, the offensive line, just look. I, I don't see any way how it can't happen. Maybe they make it a little. Cl- maybe they score early on us or something to make it a little bit closer, but Eagles take this one, uh, I'll say, by 14. I agree. I mean, in other years, the Eagles might let this game in Dallas get away from them, but this is a very good, balanced, focused Eagles team. They will not disappoint Sunday night. I have it. Eagles 34, Cowboys 20. Hmm. Okay. Well, I tell you what, this is one of those games where I worry just a little bit about somebody playing for some pride. Um, I just think that the Eagles are a better team. I think the Eagles will come out and take care of their business. But anybody that thinks the Cowboys are going to roll over and play dead, I think they will be in for a big surprise. I think it's a dogfight. I think the Eagles win, but I'm going 27-23 birds, and I hope I'm wrong. I'd rather sit back and relax and uh, – Enjoy this, but I think it's going to be a lot closer game than than we want it to be. All right, Bill, you're, pro- be you're probably hey, right got... there. Cause the... go ahead, sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. I was just going to say uh, we were talking with Mike Kern earlier. I asked him about memorable Eagles Cowboys games. I don't think he really answered, but I heard Ray Dinger talking today about the uh, final game of that 2008 season when the Eagles needed three or four different things to happen in the 1 o'clock games just for the 4-15 Birds-Cowboys game to mean something. And, of course, everything broke right. The Eagles went out and thumped the Cowboys 44-6 to to get in the playoffs. That's one that certainly stands out for me. How about you guys? Any uh, special memories? My, my my favorite memory is uh, my my little brother was um, he wanted to go against me all the time. So when he was little, he he rooted for Dallas, and um, he was more doing it to spite me and my dad. And uh, the the stop him again happened when we stopped him on fourth down. And then after oh, yeah. that game, he's like, I want to be an Eagles fan. And then he, <laughs> he let him be an Eagles fan. 
Well, I, I would yeah, have to say my my favorite game probably still to this day that I've ever gone to at, at Eagles game was the Lito Shepard interception yep. T.O. game when wow. he came back to to um, the link. That was that yeah, was the loudest game certainly I've ever been to, and it was uh, it was really some kind of crazy game. And uh, Lito, when Lito picked that ball off and went the distance, that was that was special. Yeah, we talked gotta, about that last year, that. Bill. If, yeah, if you we were, we were that, both there. We were both there, Bill. That was great because uh, you know everybody was excited about To being in the building. He didn't catch a pass the entire first half. I think he may have ended up with three catches. And the Cowboys got back into it. Then the Eagles clinched it with that Lido pick six. And boy, that that place did go crazy. I was there, as you know, Bill. And boy, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Go ahead, Fred. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it was so loud in there. I wasn't there, but if you go and YouTube it and and you find the, the the one video and you just hear in that split moment when Bledsoe lets go of the ball, it's it's silence, and then Leo catches it, and it just erupts. Like, you can feel it from the YouTube video. So anyone listening in, in YouTube as well, video look it up after the show. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and the thing about that play is as soon as Leto picked that off, you know, as you're in the stadium, there was no doubt he was going all the way to the house. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, well, yeah. he's got to draw, you know, got to make some moves or whatever. As soon as he picked it, it was nothing but green grass and white stripes. It was great. Awesome. All right, Fred. Well, hey, we appreciate uh, you stopping by again. Always good insight, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Go, Birds. You know it. All right. Well, Take hey, it easy, Chad. Fred. Hey, Chet. Yes. You had a chance yeah. to sit down with our next guest from WMMR, Nick McElwain. And I know if you can talk sports and music with somebody, you're in your glory. Yeah. And let me say this before we get to the interview, Bill. I'm very fortunate that while working at my real job, I get to listen to the radio pretty much all morning. And I'll go back and forth between Philly Sports Talk radio stations and WMMR, which this summer in a poll by Radio Inc. was voted the number one album-oriented rock station of all time. They will turn 50 years old next year, by the way. Pretty amazing. And their daily Preston and Steve show is terrific. A great bunch of people whom I've met numerous times over the years. So with a couple major MMR events coming up very soon, I thought this would be a good excuse to get big-time Flyers, Phillies, and Eagles fan Nick McElwain on the show. I reached out to him, and he said, absolutely. And here is that conversation. Happy to have this guy on Philly Press Box Radio. In fact, I feel privileged, you might say. MMR listeners will get that. From WMMR's Preston and Steve show, Nick McElwain. Hey, Nick. Hey, Chad. How you doing? Doing great. As anyone who listens is well aware, the Preston and Steve show is pretty awesome. And one thing I like, Nick, is that you guys have a great relationship with all the Philly sports teams, college and pro. You often have current and former athletes on the show. For example, Claude Giroux become a good friend of the radio station, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We've known Claude pretty much since his rookie year. And with him, like many of the athletes that we've gotten to know over the years, they, they I think and hope, kind of like us because um, it, we're not an X's and O's kind of a show. So, you know, we can talk about what happened in the game last night, but we're more interested in chatting with Claude about his love of grilled cheese or his golf game or whatever. And we're not going to bust on him if he had a crappy game the night before. I think and hope that they appreciate that kind of stuff. And that sort of goes with for most of the athletes that come through town. I think that they kind of look at us a little bit differently than maybe some of the other shows for those reasons. Yeah, besides Claude, who are some of the other coolest athletes you've had in the studio? 
Oh, wow. We had Mike Schmidt in studio. We've gotten to know Cole Hamels a bit over the years. You know, there's been uh, John Dornbos who's been a, a good friend for a long time, Brent Selleck. There are guys that uh, are legends. You know, Bernie Perrant comes to mind. Some of the classic guys that are just institutions in this town. I'd love to get Dr. J in studio. He's probably my all-time favorite oh, yeah. Philly athlete, although we've had him on the phone. But, you know, this week was a sad day in Philadelphia sports history because we lost Roy Halladay. But because of the nature of our show and the friendship that we've built up with Cole Hamels over the years, we were able to speak with him about the passing of Doc. And it was obviously a really sad occasion. But we were able to reach out to Cole, even though he's not even on the Phillies anymore, to get his thoughts. And so there are guys that you get to know that more often than not will say yes to coming on. And I think it's for those reasons. You know, they understand that we like them. We respect them as professionals, you know, and you get that in Philly. You know, you understand that about our, our athletes. If, sure. In Philadelphia, we see through the bullcrap, you know, and if you work hard and you seem like a good person and like you enjoy living here, we're going to like you that much more, you know. And Dornbos is certainly one of those guys. Todd Harriman. Another one I should mention certainly is Connor Barwin. Yeah. You know, Connor is just a great guy. And he happens to be an incredibly gifted athlete who doesn't play in Philadelphia anymore, but we're still friends with him. And we hope and think that he may either return to the team, the Eagles in some capacity, or live here when he's done because Philly means something to him. And you can't fake that. Philadelphia holds a special place in their hearts because for whatever reason, I don't know exactly why, but it's not just the team. It's not just the uniform that they wear. There's something to the town as well. Hey, I know you love all the Philly teams. One question about the Phillies. Ten years ago, in conjunction with the Phillies becoming the first major league team to hit the 10,000 loss mark in their long, not always great history, didn't you, Nick, do something special with marbles? Yeah, <laughs> we did. We knew that it was coming. Everybody knew that it was coming. So in honor of Animal House and in honor of the Phillies losing 10,000 games, we got 10,000 marbles. There's a line in Animal House, in case you're not familiar uh, or your listeners are not familiar, where Flounder goes into a convenience store and, and asks, May I have 10,000 marbles, please? And it's just a funny line. It's a sort of a throwaway line. It's the scene itself lasts as long as that line. But we got 10,000 marbles and for no reason in particular rolled them down the Art Museum steps. And <laughs> um, like many things that we do on our show, it was stupid and silly and fun. And people seem to enjoy it. Yep, saw the video. Great stuff. Now, WMMR <laughs> has a couple of big events coming up. Well, one big event and one huge event. First up, one of my favorites happens this Friday. Tell us about that one. So this is the calendar release party, and we've done 12 or 13 calendars now at this point, and these are all local girls uh, that we've gotten to know. They're, they're not professional models. They're not paid models. We celebrate them. They're obviously gorgeous. These are young, attractive women. And we put out a calendar every year, and uh, it's a great thing to hand out to our listeners. It, it looks great. The girls look phenomenal in it. And so we have a party on Friday to celebrate that. It's at Chickies and Pete's. You can come down and pick up a calendar for free get the girls to sign it, and it's 12 of the most beautiful girls in the Delaware Valley. They'll all be there, and we'll all be there, so they come down and pick up a free talent. Yep, I'll be there. Then the week after Thanksgiving, it's an event that's become an extravaganza every year, a truly amazing annual event, the Preston and Steve Camp Out for Hunger. For anyone who might not know what that is, give us a brief overview and what's planned for this year. This is actually the 20th Camp Out for Hunger. Uh, it started in 1998, so this is the 20th one. But it's a food drive, and it's become the largest 
single-sponsored food drive in the country. Extravaganza is a good word. We look for every and any reason to get people to come out and make a donation. All of the donations of non-perishable food items go directly to Phil Abundance. All of that food stays in the Delaware Valley to people who need it and need it immediately. It's an operation with military-like efficiency, and Phil Abundance and local food pantries have come to rely on it. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, there have been some tough economic times over the last 10, 15 years, so more people need these items. But mostly, it's a week that feels good. And the only advice that I can give is to come down and see it, because you can hear about it on the radio, you can see posts on social media, and you can hear us talking about it. But unless you see it in person, you don't know how great it is. And, and I don't say that in a bragging kind of a way. I, I say it with all humility. It's just a great week. It makes you feel good about Philadelphia. It makes you feel good about your community. And come down to uh, Xfinity Live. We're in the parking lot for an entire week. So it's like you mentioned, it's the week after Thanksgiving. We get there Monday morning and then uh, wrap it up. And we're there all day, all day, every day, and wrap it up after our show on Fridays. And we're hoping and planning to do a Flyers Day on Thursday as well, too. So if you're a Flyers fan, we're going to have all sorts of uh, players stopping by and alumni and Jim Jackson and so if all of this comes together, Thursday, November 30th will be Flyers Day. But really come down anytime because it's a fun week. There's a lot going on. There's stunts and activities and a Ferris wheel and you name it, we got it. 683 tons of food collected last year. And I was down there on the Thursday when Boyd Tinsley was there, Jillian Mealy and some others, and it was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, that's a lot of food. And, you know, you hear a million pounds, you hear the dollar figures, and the large donations that we get from companies like Subaru are great and incredibly appreciated. But it's the individual donations that make up the, the bulk of them and make up the difference, and they're, they're necessary. We need them. Philabundance needs them. So if you've ever thought about coming down in the past but haven't been able to for whatever reason, make this year the year you do it. Sixers have a game on Monday night. Flyers have a game on Tuesday night. So even if you're not going to those games, come down and watch them at Xfinity Live. They have a great big screen, and, and you can enjoy the game there. Or if you are going to the games, come down, make a donation, and then head over to the game afterwards. It's right across the parking lot. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. I'm glad you were able to make it last year. That Thursday was fantastic. And uh, we just hope to do bigger and better every year. Can't wait. Hey, Nick, let's finish up with a real quick game of Fast Five. Five questions, brief answers from you for each, okay? Okay. All right. Fast Five with Nick McElwain. Nick, what is your favorite Philly sports memory? Going to Fast Five on a question like that? Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Game Five of the 1993 World Series. Kurt Schilling pitches a 2 nothing shutout. Still lost that World Series, of course. But that moment with my dad at the vet with 60,000 screaming Philly fans, will be an indelible mark in my life. All right. Now, I know you were maybe not even born yet when the Flyers won their first two Stanley Cups. I need to know, will the Flyers win another cup in our lifetime? Yeah, a cup. <laughs> I was not alive for any of the Stanley Cup wins. I was born in July of 1975, two months after the oh, Flyers geez. last won a Stanley Cup. Wow. So, no, I've never been alive for a Stanley Cup victory. Yes, I will be alive for another one. The hockey is too strong in this town, and the organization has too many young, bright stars for them not to win a Stanley Cup at some point. Here's a task for you. Five years ago, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Sum that experience up in 30 seconds. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. It's 19,382 feet, and I did it for a great cause. It's Team San Filippo. It's a horrible disease that affects very few people, but it's kids. It's fatal, and we raised a lot of money, so I'm really proud of the accomplishment. My friend Carl Capus got me to come along, and, you know, Kilimanjaro is an amazing place to see. Uh, it's an even more amazing place that you can see it from the top. Now, number four, I believe these guys are your favorite band. How many times have you seen Pearl Jam? I've actually seen Pearl Jam fewer times than I've seen Dave Matthews' band. They've come into town. Dave Matthews have 
Uh, they used to do two or three shows in the summer and then two in the fall or winter. And I would go to every one of those because uh, I'm a nerd like that. But I've traveled a few Dave Matthews Jam and I've traveled a few Pearl Jam. I think I'm up to like 35 Pearl Jam shows at this wow. point. So, um, But they, they are right now my favorite band and I love them. <laughs> And finally, excluding Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews Band and the annual MMRBQ every May, what's the best concert you've seen in the last five years? Wow. Do you know Coldplay puts on a great show? I saw them at the Wells Fargo Center. I saw Mumford & Sons at the Electric Factory. That was pretty great. They were on their way up, and, and it was a really loud, fun, intimate show in a, in a cool venue. They're fantastic live. Oh, you know what? No, I, this is the Rolling Stones. I saw the Rolling Stones at the Wells Fargo Center. I, I saw them with Marissa Magnata from our show, and they're the Rolling Stones for a reason. You know, that was the best show I've seen in the last five years. I was there, summer of 2013. Loved it. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, they had the big tongue that came out from the stage yeah. and got to see Mick uh, run by and, and Keith run by. And for anybody that categorizes those guys as old guys or a classic rock band, you haven't seen them live because they still bring it, and they bring it in a really impressive way. I'm with you. They're amazing, and so are you guys at MMR. Nick McElwain from WMMR. Great stuff. I'll see you at the calendar release party and the camp out. Thanks much for taking the time to visit Philly Press Box Radio. Chad, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Very good stuff, Chad. Yeah, Nick's a great guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times over the years. We talked at length last uh, December at one of the radio station's remotes, and you know, we talked about the little Philly Press Box radio thing that you and I have been doing, and he was intrigued by that. You know, it was right about the time we had Dick Vermeil on and you know, so many other great guests we've had. So he was you know, intrigued about that and wished us well, and then uh, I just thought a few weeks ago, hey, you know, Maybe he'd come on and talk about the campout and his love of Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews' band and the Phillies and Flyers, and so we made it happen. Good guy. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, I think it's good to uh, to get out of, out there, all that stuff these guys are doing, uh, you know, for fundraisers and different things as the holiday season comes. But I also think it's pretty cool, you know, and he, he made it clear, their approach with the ballplayers, uh, with the athletes is – not to say, hey, you had a good game or a bad guy, but just uh, or game, but uh, just to get to know the people a little bit. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they've they had the uh, these guys into the studio quite often, and they'll play games with them. They'll do like multiple choice games or make them do little stunts. And guys like Todd Herman's, Connor Barwin, they're they're all for it. You know, they're fun guys, and so it, it's great to see that. And I will be at the calendar release party. This is the twelfth one, actually. Nick wasn't sure if it was twelve or thirteen. I think this is year twelve. I've been to nine of the previous eleven, so I'll be there this Friday night. That's at Chickies and Pete's, and then the big camp out for Hunger, which I made it to last year for the first time. Just an awesome event. That is the week after Thanksgiving. They do it every morning that entire week, and the whole air staff is there much of the week, especially on Thursday. They all do their shows there, and it is a sight to see. And, Bill, before we continue, I think we have Dak Prescott on line one. So let's see what Dak says. <laughs> Very nice. I just had to do that. <laughs> you had to. All right. Hey, good stuff, Chet. Let's get on with it. We got some more stuff to talk about, and we got some real good feedback about uh, random thoughts from last week, uh, where I hit you up with some random thoughts, and uh, people seem to like that. 
uh, seeing you on the hot seat. So we're going to do it again tonight. You got about thirty seconds for these answers. You good? <laughs> I, I hope so. Let's let's find out. Uh, let's start with the Flyers' offense. <laughs> well, that won't take long. They've gone what two and a half games now, or two and a third anyway, without scoring a goal. Back-to-back shutouts. They've been shut out five times this season already in, what, 17 or 18 games. That's not good. And they were scoring a lot the first two weeks of the season. And now all of a sudden they've gone dry. So, I don't know. They've got to switch up the lines or do something. But uh, that ain't going to cut it when they're getting decent goaltending but can't score a goal. Ben Simmons. He's been very impressive. I, I love watching this guy play. He's a double-doubles machine. We talked about that last week. And... Uh, Monday night when they beat the Clippers, he didn't have a great game, but yet he still had, what, 17 points or whatever and double-digit rebounds, several assists. He got most of his baskets on dunks. I'd like to see him still work on that outside shot a little more. He's still a little uh, shy about that, but he's coming along nicely, and he and Joel Embiid, when both are healthy, they are going to be trouble for teams for a long time to come. NFL concussion protocol is under fire. Well, boy, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it should be because guys are still getting concussed. They've got to do something. They've got to make better helmets. You just hate to see guys getting sidelined for weeks at a time. And the Seahawks got in trouble. I guess they didn't uh, report Russell Wilson, put him in protocol right away. They just took him out for a play, put him back in there. It's a serious issue, obviously. You know, they used to not worry about it too many, too much years ago, but now we know that it causes a lot of damage, and it's clear the NFL is still not doing enough about it, so they got to step up and fix that. Yes, they do. Howie Roseman. Man of the year. I mean, you know how GQ has the man of the year or whatever, Blake Shelton, <laughs> sexiest man alive? Executive of the year, all sports this year, Howie Roseman. Look at the year he's had, all the acquisitions he's made for the Eagles. Uh, He was, we thought, putting them in position to get better over the next couple of years. And here they are, 8-1, and number one atop the power rankings and a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. And a lot of that is because of Doug Peterson, but even more of it is because of Howie Roseman. And, you know, I'll, I'll add in there, Chet, this week they've made three moves that are, are look like they're for backup veterans, but they're important moves to protect themselves from injuries really taking a toll on them. They're, they all look like good depth moves. You know what? I was listening to, I think it was WIP this afternoon. It might have been uh, the other one, uh, the Fanatic in Philly. And a caller made this point. The guys he picked up were not great players, but one's a linebacker, one's an offensive tackle. And what are the two needs that the Cowboys might have over the next couple of weeks, those very same positions. So he may have something there. That, that might have been just a little block move by Howie to make sure that the Cowboys didn't get uh, out and pick up some guys that could strengthen them over the next couple of weeks. So interesting move, moves by Howie right there. Absolutely, and funny you say that because I said the same thing last week about the Jay Jai trade that was oh, yeah. out of block because yeah. Elliott was going to be out. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Next yep. up for you, sir, Skip Bayless. Believe it or not, I have never, ever watched Skip Bayless's show. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him. I know he has his fans. 
from what I hear, he's also a big Cowboys supporter, and he made those ridiculous claims about you know Dak being still much better than Carson Wentz. He made he put out that erroneous information about um, Carson Wentz getting strip sacked by Von Miller when it was in fact Nick Foles who was on in relief in the you know final minutes of that game last week against Denver. Um, so he doesn't really watch the game all that closely, apparently. From what I hear, he's kind of a buffoon, and I have no interest in watching him. Uh, well, he's also the one that put out to the world that Troy Aikman was gay, and uh, Troy Aikman, to this day, wants to choke him out. Really? I did not know that he is where that originated. He, he is the one. Wow. He is the one. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> All right, so that, that's how far that goes back. All right, and a bonus one for you, Chet, because I know you probably watched a little college football or at least saw the highlights over the weekend. How about the turnover chain? I I honestly did not see that, so you would have to talk about that rather than me. I did not see it. Uh, well, just, just to tell you what it is, the Miami Hurricanes came up with a thing called the turnover chain, and it's uh, gaining momentum everywhere. Basically what happens is they've got this gold, big, thick gold chain with a big giant U on it. And every time Uh, the defender comes up with a uh, turnover, then he is met at the sideline by a coach who then puts the turnover chain over his neck and he gets to show off to the crowd. So I just was wondering what you would think about that. Yeah, I I saw that the chain, I didn't know what the whole uh, origin of that was, so now I know. As you know, I'm not a not as big a college football fan as I am the pro game. But hey, while you mention uh, the colleges, what the heck is going on with Saquon Barkley? He has not been all that effective the last few weeks. Uh, I think he had 49 carries for 142 yards over the last three games. That's 2.9 yards per carry. What's going on with Barkley? Well, they don't give him the uh, football for one. The defenses have set up to stop Barkley. And to make uh, um, McSorley beat them. And so Penn State is not, in my opinion, the coaching staff has not adjusted much to get Barkley in positions to have the ball. And in turn, their offense has struggled. Uh, at one point last week, uh, he was six carries for minus one yards again. Finally yeah. got a little bit loose. But, uh, you know, they're just they're just not putting him in positions to make plays in my in my. Uh, viewpoint yeah um, and it's a shame and boy they were so close this year they lost those two heartbreaking games but I don't know if they're not using him right or is you know as you said it's the defense is just you know figuring out how to stop him and make them go to McSorley instead but it's a shame I mean he he looked to be a lock for the Heisman and now he's you know probably not going to get that Uh, I still think he's going to be a good pro but uh, I really thought he'd have a lot more touchdowns and yards right now after the way he started the season yeah well like you say the defense uh you know ohio state did a great job of adjusting and and making them do some different things with him and and but then all the games since then the penn state offense has come out and done exactly the same thing and the defense has done the same thing too so i don't think they've gotten him in in positions where they could get him out in some space and get him the ball and let him do some things Hey, speaking of college football, we didn't get to talk to Mike Kern about it due to uh, time constraints, but I wanted to get his take on the college football playoff setup and, you know, how he would have thought it was going to play out. 
What do you think? Is Bama still the team to beat now that Georgia has been knocked off? Well, I think they are um, for now, but uh, Miami is now up there as undefeated. They certainly deserve to be. Uh, Oklahoma's playing great. They're now in the top four, and so is Clemson. Uh, Wisconsin's a little bit on the outside at the at the moment. They're undefeated and not in the top yeah. four. But if they could take care of their business and, and win their games, you know, win out and win the championship against probably still Ohio State, um, you know, depending on how this all works out, they hold a lot of the tiebreakers, Ohio State does. So uh, they're probably going to play Wisconsin in that championship game for for Wisconsin to get in. But so far I think the teams that should be there are, are there. Yep, going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. And, hey, Bill, I think we're still a half a minute ahead of schedule, so while we have a moment, how about let's you sing a medley of Meek Mill's greatest hits? Uh, well, I don't know who Meek Mill is, to be honest with you, but I tell you, I made that post the other day, and I didn't put a Philly <laughs> Press Box radio tag on it. But, uh, boy, did I sure find out a lot about this guy. And uh, there are people on both sides of the fence. There was some definitely some salty language in those posts, and uh, people were fired up. Well, speaking of salty language, you should check out some of his songs. I did sample a few of them. He's a Philly rapper, in case people don't know. And his songs include Left Hollywood, I'm a Boss, Amen, Liddy, and Young and Getting It. And he does curse quite a bit in these songs, just so you're aware, in case you do sample those on YouTube. I don't know what the criminal case is. I don't know if he was, you know, wrongly accused or, you know, punished more than he should be. I have no idea. But Philly rapper Meek Mill, who uh, has Joel Embiid among his fan club. Well, I can tell you, I'd never heard of him before. I've heard of him now, but that's, uh, I'm not going to look him up. But, hey, I have a, yeah. uh, why we have another second. I owe an apology before we get to our parting spot, uh, shots. <laughs> and that is, the Chet, I missed your birthday last week, and I apologize <laughs> for that. So, happy belated birthday. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, I did turn another year older, another year closer to death, unfortunately. Well, that's depressing isn't it uh i try not to celebrate birthdays too much anymore because as you get older for me anyway it makes me think god i'm getting old and i'd rather not think that way so but thank you for bringing it up <laughs> i guess uh, well and happy belated <laughs> all right Thanks. let's get to our parting shots and we'll shut this thing down soon oh no way we got to talk about next week don't we got a big oh, show we next do. week pal Come on, man. We've got an agenda here. We've got an agenda. We have another first-timer. Another first-timer joining us next week, Bill. Although he hasn't been on with us previously, we all know his voice from going to or watching Flyers games over the last 45 years. Yes, since 1972. The Flyers PA announcer extraordinaire who happens to have a brand-new book out called if These Walls Could Talk, which I hope to read this weekend. The great Lou, Lou Nolan joins us. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. All right. Yeah, as you know, I, uh, I talked with him at uh, his book signing last week. Real nice guy. He and Sam Carcitti were there. Sam is also a great guy. He'll be on at some point, too, uh, down the road. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to having Lou on the show live next week. Very good. Can't wait for it. Got one of those voices you can't miss. All mm -hmm. right. Let's get to it. Parting shot, sir. 
Speaking of hockey, Bill, another former flyer is now a Hall of Famer, and he's the kind of athlete Philadelphians love, a hardworking, blue-collar guy. Mark Recchi, who was inducted into the Hockey Hall Monday night in Toronto, played 22 seasons in the NHL, including parts of 10 seasons over two stints with the Flyers. He's eighth on the team's all-time scoring list. He averaged more than a point a game with the Orange and Black, and 12th on the NHL scoring list. To this day, he holds the Flyers' single-season record with 123 points. That was back in 1992-93. You may not remember, but uh, Recky was on that Boston Bruins team that lost to the Flyers in the 2010 Eastern Conference semifinals when Boston blew a 3-0 series lead and a 3-0 Game 7 lead. Recky had planned to retire after that season, but decided he didn't want to go out that way. So he came back for one more year with the Bruins, a season that ended with a third Stanley Cup for Recky. His previous two came with the Penguins way back in the early 90s and Carolina in 06. Recky scored a goal in the 2011 Finals, making him at age 43 the oldest player to ever score a Cup Finals goal. Talking with Philly.com's Sam Carcitti and other reporters after practice Monday in Voorhees, Flyers captain Claude Giroux said Recky was the kind of player you didn't like to play against. He just tried to outwork everybody, and he did. While the Flyers never won a cup with Recky, he was a hell of a player who had a long, impressive career, and we say congratulations on entering the Hockey Hall of Fame. Much deserved. Glad he got in, absolutely. Yep. Bill, All you right, got one? Ted. I do. My parting shot has to do with two of your favorite subjects, sir, football and beer. You're going to like this. In 2015, The Basement, the name of a bar in Orlando, was suffering as the UCF Knights got off to a winless start of the season going on four. Down to just 20 patrons on game day, they decided to offer free beer. That's right, free beer from kickoff to the final whistle. No strings attached. Every game until the Knights won. The next week, they had 400 people who drank the bar dry, but the Knights <laughs> lost yet again. Matter of fact, they ran the table, losing every game in 2015. In 2016, Scott Frost was hired as the new head coach at UCF, and business was pretty much back to normal, but the owners wanted more. They started 2017 with a new promotion, where the same free beer offer stood until the Knights lost. Guess what? They're 9-0, heading to Philly to play the Temple Owls this week. The free beer is flowing so well, the owners have raised the ante one more time. Free beer, as long as Scott Frost is the head coach. Of course, Frost's name is already being rumored for every opening that's available, so the risk might be low. Great marketing genius using nothing but football and beer. Sounds like a place we'd enjoy the game, Chet. You had me at free beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, they said many, you know, they said many people thought the owners were on their way to bankruptcy, but uh, they were wrong and what they found out, it's been very successful because what they found out is in many cases the females don't drink beer, but they do drink mixed drinks and they buy them hmm. and they're paying for them and everybody eats. So now they well, have a house full of people eating buying mixed drinks and they're and they're eating the beer. I love it. I thought you would. With that, we've reached the top of the hour. So let's thank our special guests, Mike Kern, Nick McElwain, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 22nd, Thanksgiving Eve, 
<coughs> at 7 p.m. when Lou Nolan joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. <laughs> 